right, welcome back to another episode of the Fantasy Baseball Buds podcast. I'm your host, Richie. With me, as always, is Matt. Tonight is Tuesday, March 22nd, and it is the eve of our Fantasy Dynasty draft. Um, We will be doing our auction salary draft tomorrow. I know Matt and I are excited. Um, On today's episode, we will go over some news and notes, our starting pitching rankings, and our outfield rankings. But first, Matt, how are you doing? What are you feeling or how are you feeling about this draft tomorrow? So I made the decision uh, for the listeners benefit here to not keep Jack Flaherty at $20 and not keep Ketel Marte for, I think it was 18. Our structure, we're allowed to have a franchise batter and a franchise pitcher. The way that works is he only he only increases $5 until he hits a $50 threshold. We run on four-year contracts, so it can be beneficial if you franchise a guy at a young age. But the problem is trading those franchise players. If you move them to another team, that, that team then has to let go of their franchise player or let go of the franchise player they just received. So it makes it very difficult. And I felt with Kettle Marte this season, I had Trey Turner already kept. Uh, there just wasn't necessarily the value there. So I let him walk, saved 18, let Flaherty walk with that, what I believe to be a severe career-altering injury. We'll get to that in a minute here with notes and news. Uh, saved $38, and I was really excited about that. Now, looking over kind of my roadmap last night, I need a catcher, I need two relief pitchers, and then I have three bench spots. And Richie, I think you had kind of really brought this to, to light when we were talking off the podcast about, you know, you want all these guys, but you can really only have a select few. I like the guys that I that I have the opportunity to draft, but I always want more than I can roster. So that's really the only downside to how I'm feeling going into tomorrow. Um, there's going to be some guys that I really am in love with, and I'm just not going to be able to grab based on how many roster spots I have. And it's a bummer, but I've got to make sure I capitalize on the roster spots I do have so that I can compete this year and, and be set up well for the next few years in our dynasty league. Well, and the thing I like about what you did this year is you know what you want. And in previous drafts, you kind of limited yourself as far as roster space. And at least for the last two years, I've noticed you miss out on those guys that break out right away that you find right as spring training's ending, right before opening day. Um, you capitalized on Carlos Rodon, um, but you've missed out on guys in the past. Um, so I think this sets you up kind of nicely. But let's move on to some news and notes. Um, so since the last time we talked to the listeners, Trevor Story signed with the uh, Boston Red Sox. Um, so he'll be sharing time with Xander Bogarts at shortstop, but could see him gaining a second base or third base eligibility if Rafael Devers plays designated hitter. Carlos Correa signed with the Twins. It's kind of uh, upsetting for us as we are Jose Miranda fans, so that might stunt his timeline on coming up here. Nick Castellano signed with the Phillies. Um, I know we both loved that. That was the destination we wanted. Kind of a hitter-friendly ballpark, so that's good to see. Also, Kyle Schwarber signed with the Phillies, so I'm seeing him more as their DH role. Um, personally, I didn't like that too much because I have JT Real Muto, and I was kind of hoping he'd play a little DH. But who knows, maybe they swap out. They don't have uh, a lot of outfield depth, so we'll see what happens there. Kenley Jansen signed with the Braves. For the Will Smith owners out there, that is a huge hit for your saves. Unless you play in a saves and hold league, then um, he does wonders for you. Jack Flaherty has announced that he has a small tear in his throwing shoulder, and he's been playing with it most of his career, so that's a little disheartening. However, there could be some optimism in here that he recovers and um, can get back to what we saw uh, uh, prior to all these injuries. 
Alex Reyes, also on the Cardinals, has a frayed labrum in his throwing shoulder, and he's shut down for at least the next two weeks, so we'll see what happens. As of right now, Giovanni Gallegos is looking like their closer. Adley Rutschman has a strained right triceps and will be out at least two to three weeks, so that definitely stunts his timeline to the majors. And then lastly, Chris Sale has a stress fac fracture in his right side of his rib cage, um, and I believe his timeline is unknown at this time. So Matt, I know you have a lot of investment. We talked about Jack Flaherty there uh, just prior to this, and you have Chris Sale. How are you feeling, and what are your thoughts on all of the, the news and notes we have here? Yeah, so I'll kind of just start off with you know the two players that I had rostered a week ago. Um, Chris Sale was a guy that I drafted after TJ with the hopes of you know regaining ace potential at a cheaper price in a dynasty auction league um, with keepers, and he came back last year, and I was actually very very happy with his production. I thought coming back after TJ, he performed kind of middle of the road for guys that are bouncing back from that, and I expected a really really big 2022. So this stress fracture definitely throws a loop in that, but I do not actually lower Chris uh, Sale this season in my rankings based off um, lack of production and overall stat lines. The injury is what it is. He might be out half the season. You keep him on your IL. I think once he comes back, you're talking about possibly having an ace in those playoffs. Obviously, you have to get there. Uh, in regards to Jack Flaherty, I said it kind of in the intro there. I expect this to be a career-altering injury. Um, and, and there's not a whole lot of science behind what I'm going to throw out here, but I have had shoulder injuries. I've had friends that have shoulder injuries where Jack Flaherty's actual tear is in his shoulder is connected right to the bicep as well. Uh, we had a close friend that had an issue and an injury like this, and that's a pretty severe issue. He said he's been pitching through it for years, but we saw the lat last year. We saw the shoulder. Now what's the next injury? When does the elbow go? I have not seen a, enough pitchers in Major League Baseball come back from shoulder injuries to have confidence in Jack Flaherty this season or moving forward, especially in Dynasty Leagues. Now, that can change if he can come back and pitch middle of May, you know, be fully uh, stretched out by maybe June and continue to pitch all season long healthy. I'll have more uh, rejuvenated confidence in Flaherty's overall production and value for next year. But as it stands right now, I have uh, dropped Jack Flaherty completely out of my top 50. I won't touch him. Um, and again, at $20, that price point, which I could have kept him at, it's a pretty good steal for a top end, possibly top 10 pitcher when Flaherty's healthy. I completely let him go. So I'm definitely concerned with Flaherty. A couple numbers I want to throw out. Um, Nick Castellanos, one of the big concerns you and I had, Richie, was change in ballpark. Where was he going to sign? As you had alluded to, signing with Philadelphia was probably the number one destination outside of Cincinnati. If you look at his stat cast numbers on Baseball Savant, he would have actually hit the same amount of home runs in Philadelphia, which was 34, as he did in Cincinnati, which was also 34. In contrast, say he signed with the Texas Rangers, he would have hit 23 home runs. Say he goes over and uh, goes to Colorado, he would have actually only had 14 home runs. How incredible is that? Um, so some big numbers there for Castellanos. I think he found the perfect landing spot. And then transitioning over to Trevor Story. I really didn't like this signing for a number of reasons, but after looking at the baseball savant numbers, my opinion has kind of changed here. Um, Story obviously has had some power decrease. He had his exit velo kind of uh, cut down a little bit last year as well. But you look at the chains and ballparks. He's actually slated last year to hit 38 home runs for Boston while he hit 24 for Colorado in that ballpark. Had he signed with the Yankees, the projection last year would have been 48 total home runs for Story. So you're seeing a drastic change. And the reason I bring the Yankees up is because interdivision 
divisional rivalry. They're going to play a lot of games at Yankee Stadium. So I think you're going to see Story hit a lot of home runs, not only in Boston, but within that division. The only concern I have is, you know, how many home runs are getting eaten away with that new Baltimore ballpark. Again, though, that's only maybe nine or 10 games this season. I think Story's value is actually shooting up. Uh, and last thing I'll say here, Carlos Correa with the Twins projected 22 home runs last year in that ballpark. Kind of a down year. Uh, I think Correa's got to come out and have close to an MVP season if he wants to capitalize on that opt-out coming this coming offseason. Yeah, and the other thing with Story, uh, with having Xander Bogarts there, if he does move to second base and third base, he's going to shoot up even more if there's buzz in spring training, if they, we start seeing him play at second, play at third. Um, I think he's easily a top five, top six, second base or third base. Both of those positions are fairly shallow this year. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. Um, before we move on to our starting pitching and outfielding rankings, um, we did have a little bet, and I hate to say this because I lost, um, but we had a podcast before all the free agent signings right after the MLB lockout, and uh, I think we did a little friendly wager on who would have the most correct. Matt, you did beat me 3-1. to one. Would you like to tell the listeners which ones we got right and which ones we got wrong? Yeah, it was kind of pathetic here as I pull up my Venmo to uh, request $20 from you. Um we got Castellanos, both correct, which was kind of a home run. I mean, that was kind of us hoping as well as like looking at logical landing spots. And honestly, when they signed Kyle Schwarber, I just assumed he was not going to sign there. Um, I think they gave Schwarber four years, 80 million. I was like, damn, like Castellanos market just completely dried up. And then lo and behold, I think it was the next day he signs with Philly. But the, uh, the other two I got correct were Rizzo to the Yankees. And uh, my dark horse, Zach Granke to Kansas City, uh, kind of just like we talked about on the podcast, it felt natural for him to go back to KC, a young staff. He had started his career there. I didn't think there was really a market for him. And um, there he falls. So three to one. Honestly, the ratio for how, as many predictions as we made was not very good. But I will take a victory. Yes, yes. I believe I, I think I took Zach Greinke to the Nationals just on a whim. It just felt like a good idea looking back. Maybe not so much. <laughs> um, but let's let's move on to starting pitching rankings. Now, I know in the past we kind of went through our top 1 through 30. That has changed since it's been a little bit. Um, so we now have our top 50 rankings out. Um, so we'll kind of go through our 1 through 20 um, pretty quickly just because that hasn't changed all too much. Um, so I'll go first and kind of just run through my list. Um, at number one, I have Garrett Cole. Number two, I have Corbin Burns. Three, Max Scherzer. Four, Jacob deGrom. Five, Walker Bueller. Six, Brandon Woodruff. Seven, Shane Bieber. Eight, Zach Wheeler. Nine, Julio Urias. And then rounding out at 10, I have Sandy Alcantara. So not much has changed. Uh, I believe I dropped Logan Webb and Shohei Otani a little bit down just for the simple fact of Logan Webb uh, needs to prove it a little bit longer with his uh, injury risk. And then Shohei Otani with um, just not maybe pitching every fifth day, um, maybe sixth or seventh day. Um, so for those reasons, I dropped them down a little bit. Why don't you go ahead and tell the listeners where your top 10 is, Matt? Yeah, so our top 10, again, is, is pretty similar. Garrett Cole comes in at number one for me. We have Corbin Burns at number two. Uh, Mad Max, Max Scherzer at number three. Walker Bueller in his tight pants coming at number four. 
Shane Bieber at number five. This is the first one that I kind of want to notate. Um, I'm, I'm uncertain of what we're going to get from Shane Bieber this season. I would love to have him higher. I'd love to have him over Walker and Scherzer. I just need to see a bounce back. Uh, Brandon Woodruff coming in at number six. Zach Wheeler is dropping down my board at seven with that injury. Uh, I do expect also some of his numbers to regress a little bit this season, but I still think he falls in that top seven. Uh, at eight, I have Jacob deGrom coming in under Wheeler for the simple fact that, hey, elbow injuries, you know, they linger. I'm hoping he can perform a full season. That would shoot him, obviously, to probably number one, but he is at number eight for injury concerns. Shohei Otani, for the exact reasons you said, comes in at number nine. Having a six-man rotation there um, in Orange County kind of scares me. And I've actually moved uh, Julio Urias up into my number 10 slot. I like it. And then uh, we'll continue on. Uh, my number 11, Logan Webb, followed by Otani, which I just mentioned. I moved Aaron Nola up to my number 13 spot. As much as I spite hate him for what he did to me last year, um, I did like what I saw in spring training. He did give up two home runs, but one of them was to Vlad Guerrero, so I'll give him a pass. He did strike out five, and I believe the only two runs he gave up were on solo home runs. So I kind of like what I'm seeing from him out of spring training. At 14, I have Charlie Morton. I think I moved him up a little bit, just seeing what he was doing prior to him breaking his leg. He was really finding his groove at the end of the year there, and I think he can continue that. Kevin Gosman at 15. Fastball Freddie at 16. 17, I have Robbie Ray. He kind of dropped for me a little bit just because he's moving to a new ballpark, and he only proved it for one year in Toronto. Yes, he won the Cy Young, but uh, that gives me a little pause. I just want to see a little bit more before I rank him in my top 15. Number 18, Lucas Giolito. I moved him up. Uh, 19, Frankie Montas with the caveat that I believe he will be getting traded very shortly and I think he'll be playing for a better team which increases his win and quality start potential. And then rounding out at number 20, I have Clayton Kershaw. Um, with him returning to the Dodgers, I just like what I see there. I think he's solid. He's consistent. You know you're going to get right around six to seven innings, um, maybe two, three earned runs. He's not going to have the same strikeout potential, but you know it's going to be solid. What about you, Matt? Yeah, this is kind of the, the real start of my changes here. I had to kind of reevaluate some of my own biases, and I think this is where we see the, the biggest movers and fallers. Uh, number 11, I've actually moved Sandy Alcantara into that position there. Number 12, Giolito comes in. Uh, I think I moved him from the 20s up. I think I just had an unconscious bias. I didn't like the inconsistencies that I've seen over the last couple of years. But at the end of the day, would I rather have Lucas Giolito, Aaron Nola, or Verlander? The question really came down to better team and overall stuff. And I think that was Giolito. Biggest riser for me now by far is Justin Verlander at 13. I literally just moved him up as Richie was speaking. Um, I think this is Verlander's season. We've spoken about this a lot off the podcast. And Verlander is, you know, in age 40 year, getting paid $25 million a year coming off TJ. I think he's probably conditioned himself well enough to come in and pitch 180 innings, you know, and that's that's a big number, especially for an older guy coming off an injury. I think Verlander could possibly be the number one pitcher in fantasy if he could push, push 200 innings this season. So he gets my number 13 ranking. Uh, Aaron Nola falls in right after that. Aaron Nola has had obviously inconsistent issues throughout his career, but you know he has proven to be an ace. I think this season we see him rebound, and I also think the additions of Swarber and Castellanos is going to help run support. 
probably not defense, but at least Nola should be getting some wins this season that he wasn't last year. Uh, Robbie Ray, another mover. He is climbing my rankings at 15. You know, Richie, some of the reasons you didn't don't like Rob, Robbie Ray are the reasons I like Ray. I think a bigger ballpark, uh, I think with an easier division, right? You're going to be facing the A's a lot, and the A's are frankly awful. And I really like that for Robbie Ray. Uh, 16, I have Charlie Morton. 17, you said it, uh, fastball. Freddie comes in for me. 18, I have Kevin Gosman up there in Toronto. Don't love the division. Do love the offense that he's surrounded by. Getting Matt Chapman, I think, will definitely help that infield, help some, save some runs throughout the season. Uh, 19, I have Max Freed. He also has been moved up quite significantly. And at 20, I have chosen Jose Barrios. I like it. Um, let's move on. For my number 21, I have Max Freed. Number 22, Carlos Rodon. I like that a lot with him going to San Francisco. Number 23, Lance Lynn. I had to push him in after reviewing his numbers. I know the last time we spoke about our rankings, I didn't have Lance Lynn at all in my top 30, just out of spite and age and uh, just thinking it was kind of a fluke, but he's proven it uh, after the last few years. And then 24, I have Joe Musgrove. I think he can improve on what he did last year. He kind of faltered a little bit near the middle of the season, but I think he can do it over a full season here. Number 25, I have Framber Valdez. Uh, great addition for the Astros. Number 26, I have Justin Verlander. I like what I saw out of him. 2019, he was one of the best pitchers um, prior to the injury. I would rank him higher, just like you. I'm just a little weary about um, what he's expected to go for as far as innings. Um, you know, is he going to be expected to go four or five innings and they kind of limit him a little bit? I believe there's also contract incentives based on how much he pitches. Um, so I believe he earns a lot of money if. He pitches, I think, I want to say 150 or 170 innings. So I'm not really sure if the Astros might want to manipulate that and kind of halt him and not get that threshold because um, then he earns a bonus. Number 27, I have Jose Barrios. 28, U Darvish. Um, there was reports that he made some mechanical adjustments in the offseason, so I'm curious to see what that looks like um, once we get some more updates about spring training. I moved Chris Sale down to number 29. I believe I had him um, 11 or 12. I'd have to review it. Um, but I was really high on him. I think even with the stress fracture in his rib cage, I think he can still come back and uh, provide that uh, ace potential for you. And then number 30, um, I have Alec Manoa. Um, this is kind of where I see like a, a big fall off. After 30, uh, I, I almost see like a tear, like where I don't feel like these guys um, necessarily are going to be providing that ace potential like right after Chris Sale I think Alec Manoa yes he's a great pitcher he's young um, he has ace potential but I think he needs a full another year before he reaches that full potential Matt what are your 20 through 30 yeah it's funny you say that I'm looking at my own list and we'll get to my 21 through 30 here in a minute but you're right it's kind of like after Alex Manoa it's a lot of question marks um, so let me run through it and kind of we'll get into that a little bit I think we should have a real conversation about these guys after Manoa. Uh, 21, I have Logan Webb. You know, I've, I just talked to you, Richie, off the podcast about this. I am not buying last season. Um, I, I think it was a great season. I think we're going to see regression. He had a 3.03 ERA last year. I was even surprised to see he outperformed his his XFIP. Um, is it XFIP? Is that what we're the number we were looking at, Richie? Yeah, I believe so. I think his XFIP was 274. 274. Yeah, that sounds um, right. And I just checked Baseball Savant, his expected ERA was 313. So he outperformed it just barely um, by their metrics. But 
I mean, it, it comes right in line. He underperformed based on FIP, underperformed um, based on XERA, but I mean, it lines up. I think he's going to be right around that 3ERA, if not lower. Um, so I'm expecting big things from him, but I know you're a little weary about it. Yeah, I just, I need to see it again. You know, he, he wasn't touted as a as an ace prospect, and you even said it to me. You know, you say guys make breakthroughs, they change grips, you know, mechanical changes happen, and I agree with that. You look at Corbin Burns, won the Cy Young last year, right? But at the same time, Corbin Burns in the minor leagues showed ace potential. Um, so that's the only reason I have Logan Webb at 21. I just, I need to see another season where I can start to believe, hey, this guy just knows how to pitch. Um, Charlie Morton was kind of like that in his older years, right? Kind of just figured it out. So I definitely think it's possible, but I do have him ranked lower. There are guys I'd prefer over him. Obviously, my other 20 pitchers, Jose Barrios at 20 is a guy I just would rather have. Uh, coming in at 2020, or excuse me, 22, I have Chris Sale. It is kind of an aggressive ranking, but I did this for the simple fact that I think Chris Sale can provide you number one starter ace potential in August, in September, come playoffs. You're going to have to take the hit. It could be two. It could be three months that he's out, and that's going to suck. You do not find replacement level pitchers at his same quality, especially in a points league. But if you can find a way to scratch and claw your way into a 500 record by the time he's back, I think you completely change the opportunity for you moving forward. Number 23, I have Lance Lynn. 24, I have you Darvish. Darvish is moving up based on his spring training in the news. Uh, we do need to see consistency out of Darvish. You know, he's either been a first-half pitcher or a second-half pitcher. We need a full season of you Darvish's top performance, and the guy will be absolutely a top-five pitcher this year. Carlos Rodon coming in at number 25. Love the signing, love the ballpark. Absolutely hate the lineup for the Giants, so I think he may actually lose some wins this year. 26, Alex Manoa. As we kind of said, this is where the tiers kind of drop. After Alex Manoa, Blue Jays, right, for Manoa, Giants for Rodon. Again, good ballpark, good pitchers. Then you have Luis Castillo for me at 27. Bad ballpark, bad lineup, kind of a decent division with the Brewers and Cardinals. So that's where the kind of tier falls off. 28, I have Joe Musgrove. I definitely think he could be a guy that's kind of sandwiched in this tier that could provide higher value for me at 28. Uh, Frankie Montas comes in at 29. Awful team. I'm not going to rank rank him based on the possibility of a trade because I just don't know when it's coming. And I had said to you, this to you on our phone call today, Richie, if it's two, three months that Montas stays with the A's, that's a lot of losses that he's going to rack up, which is going to cost you wins and possibly cost you quality starts if they pull him from games to keep him healthy and keep him fresh so they can trade him. That's why definitely in our points league rankings, I have him falling. Um, and at 30, I have Shane McClanahan also moving up my board, um, I think 30 is kind of that place where I'm, I'm willing to actually take a risk on him now. Uh, again, just not going to give me the innings I'm looking for. So, Richie, kind of as these tiers change, what are your thoughts based on your own rankings and my rankings? Yeah, I think at this point in our rankings, a lot can change. I mean, even from 30 to 40, so much can change. I was starting to struggle with this again, like our young guys. Um, Trevor Rogers, you know, Shane McClanahan, Shane Baz minus his elbow injury, but any of these guys could shoot up boards based on what they do right away. I mean, I could see Logan Gilbert, we'll get to in a little bit. I have him at 41, but I could see him easily jumping into my top 30, top 20 if he shows um, the advancement and the progression that we're expecting out of him. Yeah, and I agree with you. And, you know, paired with some of these young guys, you know, just looking at the next, our, our, my 31 through 50, there's a lot of guys coming back from injury, right? You've got Kershaw, you've got Thor, 
You know, Wainwright's old. Love, I mean, fantastic season last year, but he's old. Clevenger coming back from the injury. Chris Bassett coming to a complete new city, you know, right? A new ballpark, which is going to impact his numbers. Uh, you've got Rodriguez going over to Detroit. So they're mixed in with these young guys with high upside or guys that we're just hoping can come back from some of these injuries or transition better to their new homes. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's go through, through my 31 through 40. So I have Luis Castillo at 31. Blake Snell at 32, 33, I got Trevor Rogers, 34, Shane McClanahan, 35, Noah Syndergaard, 36, Ian Anderson, 37, Pablo Lopez, 38, Jack Flaherty, 39, Sean Manaya, and 40, I have Ranger Suarez. So a lot of question marks. We have Blake Snell, who kind of did horrible at the beginning of the season and then um, picked it up near the end. Noah Syndergaard coming back from injury, Jack Flaherty, current injury. But Luis Castillo, there's something I wanted to point out. On August 9th, he gave up eight earned runs. After August 9th, from August 14th to October 1st, in the nine games, he had a 2.7 ERA, excuse me, and only a 2.44 batting average. So he kind of picked it up, turned it around near the end of the season, and I'm, that's kind of why I rank him a little bit higher. I originally had him outside my top 40, and then I was like, you know, I remember him doing well and dropping his ERA down. So he went all the way from a 5 ERA to finishing the season with a 3.98. So he was trending the right direction, and for that, I kind of wanted to move him up a little bit. Matt, what does your 31 through 40 look like? Yeah, and Castillo's hard. Um, he's got the ace stuff, right? When we talk about watching minor leaguers or even watching some guys in their first couple of years in the in the majors, you know, we look for the ability on the mound to show us something special. And Castillo's got that. He just, for whatever rhyme or reason, gets hit hard at times. And it usually happens at the beginning of the season. Kind of figured it out last year, but will he run into that same issue? And will he get enough run support this year with the Reds? So a lot of question marks, but I could see him, especially being traded at the deadline, being much like Chris Sale, where he goes to a different organization and maybe a better ballpark, a better lineup supporting staff, really amplifying your team come playoff time. So maybe a guy you want to take a risk on if you feel like you've built a good rotation. If if Castillo can fall into be like your fourth or maybe even your fifth starter, which is you know kind of unthinkable, um, you've got a, a huge opportunity to just run the table come playoffs time. Uh, 31 starting off for me is Luis Garcia for the uh, Astros. Kind of some some concern there. He fell off a little bit come playoff season last year, end of the season. I think that was just because, again, he hadn't pitched that amount of innings ever in his minor league or major league career. So hopefully this season he's kind of built up, has the ability to pitch a full season. Coming in at 32 is Trevor Rogers. Kind of the same thing, you know, kind of innings limits. Uh, we needed to see him pitch a full season and, and kind of be stretched out even more. I'd like to see 195 innings from Trevor Rogers this season, which might be a lot. For Amber uh, Valdez, after breaking the finger last season, hopefully he has a full season. I think with his ground ball rates, we'd like to see a little bit more strikeouts from him. But you should see great ERA. Uh, whip probably will be a little bit higher, but you're going to get the wins from him with that Astros team. Uh, Clayton Kershaw coming in at number 34. Kershaw is still Kershaw, but the injuries are there at this point in his career. You know he's going to miss at least you know two to six weeks in a season, so he drops down. And again, playing for the Dodgers, a team that should run away with the National League, I think they're going to be careful with him. 35, I have Ian Anderson. Ian Anderson probably next to Dylan Cease, who I have at 36, are the two guys that I would say could absolutely like climb my rankings by midseason. Um, I think Ian Anderson coming into last year was a huge name that people were betting on. Didn't necessarily have the season that we wanted to have from him, but 
has the opportunity to still be a great pitcher on a great team. Dylan Cease, same exact things can be said. We know the strikeouts are there for Cease. We just need to see more control with his whip, lowering his ERA. 37, I have Thor. Uh, I expect really big things out of Thor this year. But again, six-man rotation. They're going to keep him and Otani healthy. You have Michael Lorenzen there as well. So I think he's going to lose some starts based off that six-man setup. Adam Wainwright, Mr. Ageless, comes in at 38 for me. I just like what he does, Mr. Consistent, right? He kind of was washed a few years ago, and here he is back in the top 50. Uh, I think if you're looking for a guy to solidify your lineup and just be able to trust, plays for a good team, should have around a 3-5-4 ERA, should get the wins. Logan Gilbert at 39, another guy like Anderson and Cease who could, as you said, Richie, climb these rankings as the season goes on. And number 40, I have Pablo Lopez, uh, kind of aggressively placed here. I think one more year developed. Uh, he had a couple absolutely huge blow-up games last year against the Atlanta Braves. I think he had an eight-run, two-inning performance and a seven-run, two-and-one-third-inning performance, which really elevated that ERA. Definitely a guy that does not like playing against the Braves, but at 40 here, I think he takes that step. What do you think of that list, Richie? Who are who's the biggest guy that catches your eye? I think Logan Gilbert, uh, just because he's got that upside, and also he's got a personal attachment to me um, since I let him walk to you. I think he he can climb up. Um, I actually have him at forty one when we go through my list, um, and then the other one, Adam Wainwright. I'm not as high on him. Um, I know he was amazing last year, but at some point, age has to give out. I don't think. I think he's like the oldest pitcher to do what he's done, where he's turned it around. I mean, what is he, like 50? <laughs> now, all jokes aside, though, um, I'm a little weary about that. And at some point, it's got to fall off. He's lost that velocity, and maybe he's figured it out. And um, I just see too much of Zach Greinke in him. Um, Zach Greinke was able to figure it out with his fastball uh, losing velocity. And then um, we just look at what he did last year, and he – Batters just caught up to him, figured out what he was doing. So I'm um, not saying it's going to happen, but that's kind of in the back of my head when I'm looking and thinking about Adam Wainwright on um, just the surface. Yeah, I think the I think the floor could fall out on him at any point, right? It could be this season. It could be next season. I kind of assumed that with Max Scherzer last season in, in the uh, preseason rankings, I, I was very aggressive about lowering him down. And I was wrong. Uh, I think Adam Wainwright definitely is a, is a much easier uh, candidate for that floor falling out from under him and being dropped. But again, when you, you look at rankings, it's like, would you rather have Wainwright or Chris Bassett? And it's like, damn, like Chris Bassett is interesting, right? I think I'd rather have Wainwright. And then you look at Clevenger and Evaldi, like some of these guys really make this challenging. Um, so I think Wainwright, out of all the guys from like 30 to 50, might be the hardest one to really place. Yeah, and it's funny you say that because I have Chris Bassett ranked one spot above Adam Wainwright. Yep. So while we're talking <laughs> about it, let's go through my uh, last uh, 10 here. So at 41, I have Logan Gilbert, who we just talked about. 42, I have Patrick Sandoval. A lot of experts in um, across the podcasting spectrum like Patrick Sandoval and his uh, changeup. So it'll be interesting to see, one, if he can stay healthy, and two, if he developed any of those secondary pitches. In our Dynasty League, I actually just traded for him, offing uh, Aaron Nola for Byron Buxton and Patrick Sandoval. Partially a salary dump, also partially chasing that ceiling. Um, if everything clicks, I could see him easily being a top 20 starting pitcher. But I think right now, in that 40 to 50 range is right about um, the spot where he should fall. 43, I have Dylan Cease. Uh, like what I see from him as far as uh, a ceiling potential. A little high on the ERA, right around 4. 
Um, so I'd like to see some improvement before I raise him in my ranks. 44, I have Luis Garcia, ground ball pitcher for the Houston Astros. Um, I like what he did, low threes, our ERA um, last season, so I'm hoping he can improve on that. 45, I have Sonny Gray. Um, didn't initially want him in my top 50, but going to Minnesota, better um, division, better ballpark. He leaves uh, Cincinnati, which we just talked about, is a hitter-friendly ballpark. Um, so I think he's going to have... Um, good defense behind him with Carlos Correa. He's going to have the offense with Buxton, uh, Jose Miranda, and Carlos Correa, who we just mentioned. So I think um, he's got some potential there to rise and uh, recapture some of the sunny gray that we used to know. 46, I have Eduardo Rodriguez. I like the change going from Boston to Detroit. Also um, the same division, um, AL Central. Uh, bigger ballpark. He's not going up against those Giants and the Yankees or giant um, sluggers, I should say, not the actual San Francisco Giants, but the Yankees and the Blue Jays and the Rays, you know, they're always contending. Now he's going to a division that um, doesn't have many contenders uh, aside from the White Sox. 47, I have Aaron Savali. Um, like what he did last year, um, but he, in my mind, I kind of just see him as a guy. You know, I don't see him as having that um, ace potential, but I don't see the floor falling out from him. I think he's a solid three or four starting pitcher for you. You know what you're going to get. Not a great strikeout rate, but it's going to be average. 48, I have Mike Clevenger. Um, I could see this is a guy who could easily rise through the ranks once we see what he does coming back from injury. And then to round it out, Chris Bassett at 49 and Adam Wainwright at 50. So, Matt, what are your thoughts on my uh, back half of my starting pitching rankings? And what are your rankings? Yeah, this is where we really, really start to see some differences. And it's funny, you have uh, Cavalli in there. I just realized, we I don't think either of us in our top 50 have Zach Plesek, do we? No, we are not the Zach Plesek believers. No, but it's just interesting because out of all the names that we're listing, you know, we're going to have a difference in opinion here. That's the whole purpose of us doing our rankings and kind of discussing and talking about this. But I, I'm I'm not placing Plisak in my 50, and it sounds like neither are you, but it's just crazy to see how a difference in a year goes, right? Even industry standards. You talk about some of the experts in the industry, like Zach Plisak last year, guys were talking about him possibly being a top 20 pitcher. And here we are, you know, going into 2022, him not even in our in our top 50. I think that's, that's to just go and show how the inconsistencies of the starting pitching rankings can really be and just performance on a year-to-year -year basis. And I think that's why you see maybe, you know, your rankings and my rankings differ a little bit because I have at uh, 42, I have Clevenger for the simple fact that I'm going to buy that upside over some of the floors of the other guys. So at 41, I have Nathan Ovaldi, you know, really like the arm talent, like the team. Uh, I think it's a it's a great pick there. You're, you have confidence in what he's going to give you. And then again, 42, I have Mike Clevenger. And this is the big name to kind of stick out here because after Clevenger, I have Chris Bassett, Patrick Sandoval, Marcus Stroman, and Blake Snell. I don't necessarily think Clevenger day one is better than all of those guys, but I think over the course of the season, he is way better than all of those guys, right? And I think that's where you just got to take some risks, especially at the end of your draft where, hey, maybe you're filling in that fourth or fifth starter, and it's like you got to find that upside because if you're going to take Chris Bassett there as your fourth starter over at Mike Clevenger, you know you know what you're going to get from Bassett and as opposed to like thinking about what you could have had in August where Mike Clevenger's back to a three ERA striking on 11 guys a game. 
Now, again, that's the high ceiling for Clevenger, but I think I would just prefer that. Um, so I had mentioned at 46, I have Blake Snell. Not a believer. I am not a Blake Snell fan. I may hate Blake Snell more than I hate Ben Simmons in the NBA. That's saying a lot if you know me. Um, 47, I have Ranger Suarez. This was a hard one. I think I get confused and my perception changes of Suarez because of that RP eligibility. I am ranking him strictly as a starting pitcher here. Um, with that RP eligibility off the table, I think he comes in at the end of my 50 here. Uh, 48, I have Anthony DiScalfini for the Giants. Good season last year. Didn't necessarily have the greatest finish, but I think we're going to see similar numbers to what he put up last year. Uh, 49, I have Rodriguez, kind of alluded to him going to Detroit. I think the change in uh, not only scenery, but the change in division is huge for him. I think he will have a good year. And again, he was riddled by that COVID issue. He had the heart concerns, um, had the heart ailments. I think coming back fully healthy, having a, a real spring in front of him on a young team will help. And at 50, I'm going to take Mr. Reliable. Did have a down uh, year last year, but Kyle Hendricks comes in at 50. I would love to have Hendricks as my fifth starter. Yeah, and I think the biggest discrepancy in our rankings is I have Blake Snell at 32 versus what did you say 45, 46, yeah. um, and and I, I'm all, all all on board with you as far as I'm not a Blake Snell believer. I don't like it. And then I kind of looked at what he did the, at the end of the year, and I was playing um, one of our friends in our dynasty league, Reed, in the championship, and I just saw what. Um, he was doing against me in the other competition. So I just wanted to point out for the listeners, on July 28th, Blake Snow went four innings and gave up seven earned runs. Since then, he went eight, uh, started eight games with a 1.83 ERA with a 2.36 FIP. So something clicked. He figured out that was over 44 and a third innings and 65 strikeouts. So it seemed like he figured it out there. Um, but before that, I mean, he was looking at a four or five ERA and it wasn't looking too pretty. So I was a little skeptical in that, but just going back to our rankings and talking about that, that last 10, I was struggling. I was trying to figure out who I wanted in my top 50. And I left out guys like Marcus Stroman, Dallas Keiko, Kyle Hendricks, like you said, and Marcus Stroman's good. Uh, he had a 3.02 ERA last year, but now he's on the Cubs and I just, it comes down to, and we talk about this all the time, when we're doing our rankings, it comes down to if we were offered a trade and it was between these two guys, which one would you rather have? And when I look at it, I say, I'd rather have Dylan Cease over Marcus Stroman. I'd rather have Luis Garcia, Sonny Gray. And for those reasons, that's why I chose to, to keep him out, among other things. Um, but I just kind of wanted to, to pick your brain on, is that kind of how you do your rankings too? And are you kind of do a, a gut feeling or do you look more at the statistics yeah i mean i watch so much baseball um and i've i've always leaned on just the the old school scouting idea of you know mechanics and physicality on the field right if you watched if you watched Moneyball, that was a conversation that was actually had at the beginning of the movie when the scouts are at the table right they talk about well this guy looks like a baseball player well, that can really get you in trouble sometimes, right? Because just because you have the look doesn't mean that you're going to be great. So I like to pair that up with a little bit of the numbers and, and then overall consistency of what I'm watching throughout an entire season. I'll tell you what, I knew Corbin Burns had the ability to be great one day. I just didn't know if he'd ever actually figure it out. Lo and behold, 
He figured it out. Now that's easy because I'm a Brewer fan, right? I watch a lot of Brewer games. Like I see the stuff. So I'm looking for stuff on the mound, especially with pitchers. And then I'm looking for that consistency of, you know, have they put together two or three years of 160 to 180 innings? Like what were the injuries kind of in that two or three year window, right? Was it a pulled hamstring or was it like Jack Flaherty? Was it a lat? Was it a shoulder? You know, was it an elbow? And then to your point of like looking at how, I'd, how I'm going to rank these guys, it really does come down to those parameters of if I got a trade, how do I feel about all of those certain little in intricate variables, right? Um, so we'll look at 13 and 14 and Justin Verlander and Aaron Nola. Like I love what Verlander has done when healthy over the course of the last, say, five years, right? I do not love what Aaron Nola has done over the course of the last five years. He's had some incredible seasons. He's had some bad seasons like last year. And when you really look at the two on the mound, like the stuff for Verlander is better because he is better. So that's kind of like how I'm going to pair it up. Um, but we'll, maybe we'll look at Robbie Ray at 15 and Logan Webb at, at 21 because both guys had great seasons last year. One I'm higher on, one I'm lower on. Logan Webb obviously doesn't kind of jump off the page for me outside of that changeup. Robbie Ray has always been a strikeout machine, right? I have continuous documented evidence that Robbie Ray has something that Logan Webb does not have. And when you put together one season and you compare them against each other, well, I'm going to take what I've seen over the last five years of having that one kind of variable change of Robbie Ray's strikeout ability. So that kind of goes into all of my my rankings. And then in this, this starting pitching top 50, I had to really take away some biases. I think the only one that's ranked under my own bias is probably Blake Snell. He did have an incredible finish to the year last year, but I have been burned so many times on Blake Snell, even more so than you, Darvish, where... At some point, again, from that scouting perspective, you just write a guy off, right? Like, and this happens a lot in fantasy football where you draft a guy two or three years in a row and, and he's hurt right when you need him to be there. You just no longer take him. And then all of a sudden he's healthy for the next three or four years and he's a top first pick. Um, but Blake, I call that, the, I call that the AJ green effect, a, the AJ green <laughs> effect. No, but you're right. And like, I'm ranking Blake Snell like AJ green, right? Because I'm just not, I'm not buying what he did in the last, you know, eight starts of the year. So, but yes, to, to really answer your question, I'm, I'm usually taking a player based off where I have them rated um, via what I, what I accept them in a trade. You know, I, I think you look at maybe the crack in that logic, 43, 44 for me, if I were to be offered Patrick Sandoval for Chris Bassett on upside and ceiling alone, I'm probably taking that. But if Chris Bassett's my number two pitcher, I'm probably not taking that. You know, it's, it all depends on roster construction as well. But for the most part, in the course of the first month of the season, I'm going to be basing my team, my teams off my own rankings because this is truly how I feel. Yeah, and I, I like it. It comes down to a, a mix of your gut feeling, your roster construction as far as trading, and uh, just the statistics and the underlying numbers. All right, let's move on to our outfield rankings. All right, I'll start with our 1 through 10, or my 1 through 10. Uh, at 1, I have Juan Soto. I mean, he guy's just a stud. He's consistent. You know what you're getting out of him. Number 2, Bryce Harper, MVP last year. Number 3, I have Ronald Acuna. Normally, I would have Acuna over Harper, but Acuna is coming back from that torn ACL. There is a report that Acuna will be coming back as a designated hitter. I believe April 21st was the timetable. And he won't be playing the outfield until the end of May, but adding that universal DH to the National League, 
um, definitely sped up his timeline, so that's good to see. Um, I believe I had him lower around seven or eight, and with knowing that he's only going to miss maybe the first two, two and a half weeks of the season, you're not missing much production out of him. You could see Soto, Harper, any of these guys easily go on to the COVID IL or have a phantom IL stint, or maybe they just need a breather and they could easily miss a week or two. So um, overall production, I don't see like you miss much with Acuna. Number four, I have Mike Trout. Um, curious to see what happens with him coming back from that calf injury. Number five, Mookie Betts. Um, and then in my opinion, it's kind of a drop off. Any of those top five that you listed, you can't go wrong. They're studs. And then you kind of see kind of a, a tier drop off for me. Number six, Luis Robert or Robert, depending on who you talk to. Number seven, I have Aaron Judge. Um, this could very well change depending on uh, what happens in New York City. Um, there's talks of if you're unvaccinated, and I believe Aaron Judge was interviewed and kind of dodged the questions about his vaccination status. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Number eight, I have Kyle Tucker, batted 300, I believe, like right around 30 home runs. Um, I like what I saw there. Number nine, Nicholas Cassianos. Just like it. I think he's going to hit 330 home runs again. Number 10, Jordan Alvarez. He would be higher, but injury concerns um, have me rank him a little bit lower. But I love the power potential. I think he could easily hit 40, 50 home runs and give you a 275 batting average. Um, so, Matt, what are your thoughts on my rankings and uh, where do yours compare to mine? Yeah, um, you know, we're, we're very similar here. I think we have almost the exact same top 10 with a little bit of um, maneuverability there. My big concern is Aaron Judge. You know, we spoke about this last night uh, while we were gaming. When I was kind of going back and forth, I, I have the opportunity to keep Aaron Judge this season for $21. And, you know, you think about $21 in our draft, that's usually where that, that tier of outfielders is going to go. You know, George Springer is going to be available for us. Nick Castellanos will also be available for us. Um, and if for any reason judge is hampered by this vaccine mandate, it will significantly hurt my team and it will hurt anybody that drafts him at where, you know, the going price for judge is right now, because you're going to expect to miss if things don't change 80 games minimum on top of the games he's going to miss in Toronto, because Toronto has the same rule. If you're unvaccinated, you can't play. So we can take, you know, 80 games plus another 12 games. You're talking about 92 games. That's a massive hamper. And, and then in regards to Acuna, missing two and a half weeks possibly for most of these guys, you've got to just assume at some point they're going to spend at least one stint on the 10-day IL. I think at this point Acuna's got to you got to draft him where you would have, if not you know one one person or one player ranking below where you would have. Um, so in regards to my rankings, I have Juan Soto same number one overall. Uh, I think that's a no-brainer. I think him and Harper, who I have number two, are a tier of their own. I think after that, we have the first tier drop-off. So number three for me, I am choosing to take Michael Trout over Ronald Acuna. Uh, I just think with a healthy Trout, he has the ability, you know, if you can get 140 games out of him, he is just one notch above Acuna. Um, and then F4, I have Ronald Acuna. Again, I think this is where another tier drops off. I think Mookie Betts, I'm not sold. I just don't, I would need to see more consistency from Betts. I have Betts at five. I have Kyle Tucker at six. Again, just he's not Acuna, he's not Trout, he's not Harper, not yet anyways. Uh, Luis Robert comes in at number seven for me. This is the guy that you could see have an explosive season, drive himself all the way up into that first and second tier that we just spoke about. Number eight, I have Jordan Alvarez. Jordan's a guy that could take the mantle as the biggest power hitter in the game. Uh, 300 hitter. He is a 
four category player, right? He's not going to steal you any bags, but this is, I'm looking for Alvarez to have that, that MVP season, that 50 home runs, that 130 RBIs, that hundred runs where he just runs away with the, his overall batting ability. Number nine, I have Aaron Judge. I'd love to drop him a little bit lower, but we just don't know enough yet. Um, so in this regards, I would rather have Jordan than Aaron. Um, and then number 10, I have George Springer. Springer would probably vault Aaron Judge easily, even if Judge played a full season, if Springer could just stay healthy. The guy has immense talent, but he's on pace every year for 120, 130 games. I would still rather take all the guys above him. Yeah, I like all of your top 10. The only reason why I don't have George Springer inside my top 10 is I think he has the same power production as the rest of these guys, but him batting closer to 260, um, I just like the upside of everybody else batting 300. So let's go into my 11 through 20. I'm a little bullish on this guy, but my number 11 is Eloy Jimenez. I think this is the year he breaks out. This is the year he jumps into that top six. I think we're seeing a 275 to 300 um, batting average as well as 35 to 40 home runs if he can stay healthy. Number 12, I have Teoscar Hernandez. What he did last year was tremendous, and I think he can build on that, cutting down his strikeout rate. Number 13, Cedric Mullins. Uh, I was a little iffy on this one, but you can't deny when he got rid of switch hitting um, and he really took off. Number 14, Byron Buxton. He was at an MVP pace before he got injured. Number 15, I have Chris Bryant here with the caveat um, that he is going to be third base, but for this uh, purposes. This is where he'd follow my outfield ranking. Going to Colorado, the power production can't be denied. I think he easily, his floor is 35 home runs now um, with the possibility of getting to 50. Number 16, I have George Springer just for the simple fact. I think him, Chris Bryant, and uh, Byron Buxton could easily all hit right around 260, 270 with similar power production. 17, I have Starling Marte. This is kind of where it shifts um, from the power and average um, to just the average, and they lose power. Starling Marte, you know he's going to hit 300 easy, but maybe he only gets you 15 to 20 home runs. At 18, I have Cattell Marte, another guy here. He's going to give you high average, but a little bit less in the power production. And then we kind of switch. Number 19, I have Marcelo Zuna. Um, prior to last year, you know, he was the power guy. But not so much on the average. I think he hit around 270 is what I expect. And at 20, I have Tyler O'Neill. We saw him take off at the end of last year. Uh, I believe Matt and I were thinking to ourselves, we were out of fab money, and we were like, how is nobody else in our league, our dynasty league, picking this guy up? It is a crime. And he just went on a tear. I don't think he can sustain the pace he had. Um, but I do see him as more of a 250, 260 hitter with obvious 30 home run as his floor. Matt, what do you think of these rankings and where do you fall with yours? Yeah, the Marte brothers, I know they're not actually related, but we'll just call them brothers because they've got the same name. Um, they scare the hell out of me in the outfield rankings. I, I As you were going through your rankings, I've removed Bryant and Marte because um, I actually had 52 for my top 50, so that kind of worked out well. Uh, love Bryant. Absolutely love Bryant in Colorado. Our, our good and close friend, Reed. I'm very excited for him to be able to actually go to a Rockies game and root for somebody that is consistent, unlike our you know, our fantasy uh, favorites, Brendan Rodgers and uh, Ryan McMahon. But uh, as, a far, as far as Marte uh, and Kettle Marte, that is, I need him to be traded. You got to get out of that ballpark with the humidor. You got to get out of that lineup. You got to go somewhere where you can really showcase that power. I would love to see him in Cincinnati. I think if he were to be traded to the Reds 
and play center field for the Reds or find a position that uh, India doesn't currently lock down, he'd be great there. But as it stands right now, I, I just don't like him. And I don't like Sterling Marte. You know, Marte's getting older. Definitely more of a categories roto player because he's still going to get you those steals. But I, I really definitely changed my rankings based on that. Again, taking Kettle out, and you'll see Sterling is rated pretty aggressively low for me. Uh, 11 through 20, I have Nick Castellanos starting off. I think Nick Castellanos, George Springer, you choose either one. They're both going to be great for you. Again, in points, I don't think it matters as much. Springer is going to be probably more of a categories guy because I think he has the opportunity to steal 10 bags. Will he? That's really the question. Uh, Castellanos landing in Philly is going to give you the power production, the counting stats. He's going to give you the whole bag of tricks, right? With Harper in that lineup with Riomuto and Schwarber, this is exactly where we wanted him to land. So 10, 11, call it a wash, flip a coin. Uh, number 12 is kind of where that tier, again, changes. Teoscar Hernandez comes in there for me. Amazing lineup, has had production for the past three years that we really like to see. Uh, I think he is who he is now, right? A guy that can possibly hit 300 with 30 home runs and drive in 100 runs and score 100 runs. But I just don't think he has the, state, the same ability necessarily that Castellanos does. Uh, Cedric Mullins is going to come in at 13 for me. Richie talked about him giving up that switch hitting. That was big for him. Can he do 30-30 again? I, I don't know. I, my projection is more of a 20-20 this season, which is still great upside. And uh, I rank him actually at 13 where Buxton comes in at 14 because, again, I, I know that Cedric can do it and he can stay healthy. Buxton could climb all the way to the you know maybe 6 or 7 if he can perform at a full year's rate. We just haven't seen it yet. Uh, number 15, I have Eloy Jimenez looking for a bounce back season here. Obviously, one of the highest touted prospects of most, most recent memory. I think he cashes in on that this year after uh, tearing the peck last year. At 16, I have a very aggressive ranking because this is where the tiers are changing for me. I have Suzuki for Chicago coming in at 16. This is my absolute favorite player to draft. Uh, mid-rounds, if you have the opportunity to grab him. Richie, I sent you a video early this morning of him hitting home runs. I love this swing. The guy's got a very quick upper uppercut swing that's been talked about with some of the experts. And, man, he just looks fun to watch. Um, I'm not too stoked that I have to root for him on a fantasy team while he's a Chicago Cub, but really like Suzuki. And, obviously, the last Suzuki we had in this league became one of the greatest players of all time. So, hopefully, the name can help out a little bit. Uh, 17, I have Tyler O'Neill here. Again, with Suzuki being an aggressive ranking, O'Neill had a great finish to the year last year. I just need to see it again. Um, and the strikeout concerns, if that, that strikeout ratio climbs a little bit, I think O'Neill might be in some trouble this year. Kyle Schwarber comes in at 18, could have a monster season there in Philadelphia. We just talked about his counterpart, Castellanos. Uh, 19, I have Brian Reynolds, an individual that you just acquired. I think he's a very solid player. Uh, and then paired with O'Neill Cruz there in Pittsburgh, if Cruz comes up, you know, we have Nick Gonzalez coming up in a few seasons here as well. I think he's going to have the opportunity to have some counting stats start to climb up as well. And then at 20, the aforementioned Sterling Marte for the New York Mets. Um, you know, I would rather have Marte than a couple of the guys we're going to mention here following down on my list, but I'm just not sold for the price point of the production you're going to get because of those stolen bases. The name recognition, I think, climbs him up boards. Yeah, I'm a little weary about Suzuki, um, just mainly for the fact he's coming uh, from across seas, across seas uh, in Japan, and that uppercut swing scares me. I could see pitchers easily finding holes in it uh, as opposed to what you'd see in Japan. Uh, they don't typically throw as hard, so it would be see how he adjusts. I could easily see him um, kind of coming out guns blazing like, who was it, uh, Jesus Aguilar when the Brewers 
or, or Stino, no, Eric Thames. Or Eric Thames. Akinis, right? Eric, yeah, where they come out, they hit homer after homer after homer, they get a bunch of buzz, get a bunch of clout, and then pitchers get some film, they figure it out, and he starts striking out, and that's when he needs to adjust. I see something similar happening with him. So if you end up with Suzuki, or any of the listeners end up with Suzuki, if he comes out hot, I'd be looking to move him immediately um, because that's probably the highest point you're going to see just because of all the buzz. Something similar with your mean Mercedes last year went on a tear, um, but nobody knew it would be able to be sustained. So um, I did the same thing. I sold him when he was hot, um, and that's what I would recommend. But moving on, going through my 21 through 30, I have Brian Reynolds. Um, easily going to hit 300, hit 30 home runs last year. I don't necessarily believe the power is going to be there. I see more of a 20 to 25 home run guy, but that's still very good. 22, I have Kyle Schwarber. love his new park. Number 23, I have J.D. Martinez. Um, This one I had a little struggle with because he was a great hitter and was on fire in April and May of last year. And then he kind of tapered off a little bit, but still finished strong. 24, I have Mitch Hanniger. Almost hit that 40 home run threshold. Um, So I like what he would have in the power potential. Kind of going out on a limb here, I have Christian Yelich at 25. I think he can bounce back, get back to that 275, 300 hitter. I don't know if the power is going to be there still, but hoping he can get to 30 home runs. So this is more of a gut feeling ranking. 26, Giancarlo Stan. If he can stay healthy, he seems to do it the past couple of years. Um, you're looking at a 270, 280 maybe, um, batting average with at least 30 home runs. 27, your boy, my boy, Jesse Winker. Um, I originally had him higher, but his struggles against lefties and him moving to a more pitcher-friendly ballpark has me drop him down a little bit. 28, Randy Arozarena. Like what he did last year, but I was kind of expecting a little bit more power. He outperformed his batting average um, and showed that it, it wasn't just a fluke. He'd hit right around 270 as opposed to 300. 29, I have Lords Guriel for the Blue Jays. I'd like to see a little bit more power out of him. Hit right around 20 home runs last year, so I'd like to see improvement. And then number 30, um, I have Whit Merrifield. He's not going to hit home runs, but he's going to play every day, get you those counting stats, and he's going to give you a high average. So, Matt, what are your thoughts on these? And uh, go out and tell the listeners what your 21 through 30 are. Yeah, we're we're very very similar here. Um, I actually I think I have Yelich one spot lower than you. I've been moving Marcelo Zuna up quite a bit throughout this last I'd say three and a half week period here. Uh, but I I do look to see a Yelich bounce back. I just am not a believer anymore in a guy you know early 30s late 20s, which was where Yelich kind of fell off from that MVP form never being the same guy. I understand that Yelich got paid on the juiced ball and those MVP seasons really kind of were bumped up because of his ability to elevate the ball and his launch angle and his exit velo all because of that baseball. But he's still a good baseball player. I think more or less this is mental. If he can get out of the gate hot or even find himself midseason, I think you have the ability to have a top 15 outfielder in your in your late 20s here. And that's just worth drafting as your second or third outfielder, depending on how you're constructing your team here. 
Uh, starting off, again, I had mentioned Marcelo Zuna. He comes in at 21 for me. Um, put all of the non-baseball-related activities aside. I think he's still a good baseball player, and I'd rather have him than the names I'm about to list. 22, I have J.D. Martinez. Age is a concern for me. You talk about that with Wainwright. I'm talking about it with Martinez here. At some point, that floor is going to drop out from under him. 23, I have Giancarlo Stanton. More of an injury ranking than anything. I want to see more consistent playing time for Stanton before I move him up. Mitch Hanniger comes here in here at 24 for me, uh, paired at 25 with his counterpart there in Seattle, Jesse Winker. I have more uh, faith in Hanniger playing 140 successful games, productive games, than I have faith in Winker. Winker just struggles against lefties. So until that changes, Hanniger's got to be rated above him. 26, I had mentioned Christian Yelich comes in. Uh, I do expect to see a drastic change in these rankings as the season continues. I would actually expect Yelich to be rated more around the Sterling Marte, uh, Brian Reynolds 2019 rankings as the season kicks off and we see some production out of Yelly. 27, Randy Arozarena. This is kind of where you're getting guys who you know who they are. They're not the best, but they're definitely not the worst. Arozarena at 27. Meadows, same guy, counterpart in that outfield, 28. Uh, Darton Volsho, you know, is going to be more of a catcher drafted in these in these leagues, but I actually have him at 29 because he is going to play a lot of outfield. If you're crazy enough to draft him as an outfielder, please, by all the means, don't make him more than your fifth outfielder. Or if it's a three outfielder league, maybe your third outfielder at the end of the draft. But his price point is going to be as a catcher. Um, Jared Kelnick coming in at 30 for me. I think we see a bounce back season from the production we saw last year. Yeah, what's interesting is um, I actually don't have Dal Dalton Varsho listed in my outfield rankings. Um, so I'd probably rank him uh, probably 30, 31 right in that range. Um, and what's curious is I actually don't have Jared Kelnick in my top 50 at all. Ooh. I think um, we see some struggles. All right, let's move on to my 31 through 40. And this is kind of the, the range where I started struggling a little bit on um, players with similar um, profiles and uh, kind of going down to that gut feeling we talked about earlier on who would I rather have and has similar profiles. So at 31, I have Ryan Mountcastle. I like what he's going to give you an average a little concerned about his power production, but still think he can get you right around that 25 home run mark. 32, Cody Bellinger. I'm hoping for a bounce back um, with them losing some pieces. Hopefully um, he can get some more playing time. I'm a little bullish on this one, but 33, I have Julio Rodriguez. Um, hoping he can come up and produce. Um, looking for something similar with Juan Soto and Ronald Acuna, what they did. Maybe not to that extent um, because we haven't seen it with prospects as of late. But I still think he can give you uh, some solid production. 34, Hunter Renfro. I think he's a steal for power, especially going to Miller Park. Maybe not so much as average, only going to hit you right around 250. 35, Alex Kirloff. I like the prospect profile. He was dealing with a wrist injury. Hopefully that's healed, um, but you never know with wrist injuries. I think he can give you some decent pop. Um, hopefully he can get his average up. 36, Dylan Carlson. Um, didn't live up to expectations as a, a rookie last year, but still provided decent um, counting stats. I think um, you're looking at somewhere about a 270-type hitter. 37, we mentioned earlier, Suzuki. I kind of didn't know where to place him here. I could see him easily as my 32-31 here, and I could see him as low as 50. He's just uh, the biggest variable guy here that I just don't know what we're going to get out of him. 38, I have Avisel Garcia. I don't like him going to Miami. Um, but he's going to be a solid guy um, for average home runs, runs, RBI, uh, especially uh, with that dull Miami lineup. He should be hitting in the middle. 
Uh, 39, A.J. Pollock, just like what he did last year. And then 40, I have Fernando Tatis. Um, you know, he's going to miss half the season, but when he comes back, he's going to shoot right up the rankings here. So, Matt, what are your thoughts on my Julio Rodriguez take, and what are your rankings for 31 through 40? Yeah, so I didn't have J-Rod in my rankings, um, and I, I started this rankings last week, and then obviously he hits the home run this past weekend, which was a monster shot, but it was also a hanging curveball that I, I think I probably could have at least hit over the third baseman's head. Um, and I, I like what I was, I've been reading about J-Rod. Um, Rodriguez could very well start the season in center field. They feel like Kelnick is not the long-term answer in center field. And the general manager for the Mariners has come out and said flat out, I'm playing J-Rod in center every day. You know, if he can push himself into the opening day roster, he will. And I think the more home runs he hits, the more excitement that builds. They are in a position to start competing and they need to have these young guys together. I think there's a really good shot that Rodriguez comes up and, and plays right away. So I've moved him into my top 50 now. Starting off at 31, I have Hunter Renfro. You mentioned it. Expected home runs in Miller Park last year was 35. I think, you know, I've said this on last podcast, I think he could hit 40 bombs for Milwaukee this year. But we've got to keep that average where it was. And without having the monster, I think we could see a little bit of an average regression there. Uh, 32, I have Verdugo for Boston. You know, you kind of he is who he is. You know what you get from him. He's a solid third outfielder, a guy that you can kind of plug and play. Luis Gurriel comes in at 33 for me. Jorge Soler now with the signing also is coming in at 34. I really like where he's at. I think with the Avisail Garcia in that lineup as well, those two could really play off each other well. Uh, Alex Kirloff coming in at 35. Richie, this is a guy you and I both like. This is a guy kind of at the end of drafts. If we're looking to fill an outfield spot, this is a, an ups, kind of an up-end prospect that has performed well when healthy, had the wrist injury, but I think over some of the younger guys that may be coming up, kind of the Suzuki's where you have him ranked. Like At least Kirilov has the major league experience. 36, I have Joey Gallo for New York. You're going to get the home runs. You know, The batting average may not be there, but in a good lineup, I think the counting stats will also be there. Coming in at 37, um, I have Rodriguez, as we had just talked about. I think if he starts day one, there will be some issues throughout the season of him kind of adjusting. But at 38, I have Joe Adele. So as of right now, I would rather have Rodriguez over Adele. But both players I see an absolute huge crazy ceiling for. Uh, more so Rodriguez. But Adele, again, if you remember just a few years ago, he was a top five prospect, still has the prodigious power. I think he could be a great guy to add as your third outfielder, possibly your fourth outfielder if you have a five outfielder league. Coming in at 39, I have Bellinger. Uh, I'm not bullish on Bellinger this season. I think he's more or less a value pick in dynasty leagues. I kind of that opinion kind of changes. If you can get Bellinger for say ten dollars or you know eleventh, twelfth round in a dynasty league, and he can flip the script and become the Bellinger of old, you're talking about immense value there. But again, after that shoulder injury, kind of the lack of consistency, Bellinger's got to be 39. And then at 40, I have Avisail Garcia in Miami, again, with Jorge Soler there. I just, I like the pairing. And Garcia had a very good year last year. And I think that's kind of the ceiling that you're going to look for from Avisail moving forward as seasons move on. All right, let's move on to my last 41 through 50. 41, I have Joey Gallo, who you mentioned. Uh, I don't like the average, but I do like the power. 42, good old reliable Charlie Blackman. He's not going to give you the, the home run production that you're used to, but he should hit for a decent average and a decent pop with uh, Chris Bryant in that lineup. 43, I have Alex Verdugo. 44, Michael Brantley. 
45 awesome meadows. Now this is a guy normally that would be a little bit higher, but I don't believe in the batting average profile. I'm wondering if he's having some sort of issues like Willie Adamas had um, with seeing the ball, but that's just me speculating. At 46, I have Joe Adele. Um, that strikeout rate still bothers me a little bit, but I do believe he um, could rise up the ranks if he figures it out. Um, as you mentioned, he's got massive home run upside, but I don't believe in average being uh, a key here. And that's why I have 47, Jorge Soler, kind of somebody I, I view similarly who has that 40 home run um, potential, but he only bats around 220 to 230. And then uh, the last ones I, I kind of like, 48, Riley Green. I think he can come up and provide. Um, it just I have to see it first, so that's why I have him lower in my rankings. 49, Lane Thomas. He's going to be a leadoff hitter for the Washington Nationals, so he'll give you good average and some counting stats. And then number 50, Connor Joe. Had him on my dynasty league near the end of the year uh, produce for me um, in that leadoff spot, but then he got injured. So I'm curious to see how he bounces back from that. Um, but I could easily see him jumping up another 10 to 15 spots in my rankings. So Matt, what are your final outfield rankings? Yeah, so I have two guys at 41 and 42, and then it's a, to me at least, it's a massive teardrop off. Um, so 41, I have Michael Conforto. He's not currently signed. There are some concerns in New York that Sterling Marte's injury may cause a one-year deal to be worked out with Conforto. And Conforto, prior to the 2021 season, was actually offered a $120 million contract by New York. He chose to turn it down and had an ill-timed poor season last year. Conforto had 14 home runs in 2021 and with hit uh, 232 with a 344 OBP and then a slug of 384. Not good. I do expect Conforto to kind of go back to his form, uh, be a 2025 home run hitter, be a 270 guy, but he's got to find a home. He can find a, a home here in the next couple of weeks. I think, be, I think you're finding a massive discount here at the end of drafts, but he will also probably start to rise up draft boards. At 42, I have A.J. Pollock. Again, Pollock coming over from Arizona a few years ago. This was a great opportunity for him to join a good club. Has had injury issues, but Richie, you and I talked about this on the phone. You're paired with Freddie Freeman, Trey Turner, Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger, right? Like the list goes on. Justin Turner. You're going to have those counting stats. And if you play enough games, you're going to hit 20 home runs. You're going to hit 270, 280. I think Pollock at the end of the draft is the final guy where I'm like, I'm okay with him as my third outfielder. And I'm probably happy with that based on the price. Moving on, as we said, teardrop. 43, I have Trent Grisham. No real interest in rostering him. Um, Dylan Carlson, 44. Same thing for most of these guys. Not much interest there. I need to see Carlson really explode and start to play as the prospect that we saw. Andrew Vaughn's probably the first guy in these, this kind of range where I'm like, hey, I would like that possibly um, because of the ceiling. Andrew Vaughn, though, again, a guy that's positionalist there with the White Sox until Jose Abreu retires and he can take that first base job. Um, I have Adam Duvall at 46. Mark Canna for the New York Mets at 47. Akil Badu for the Detroit Tigers at 48. Riley Green also for the Detroit Tigers at 49. And again, if this were a dynasty ranking, so this would be a drastically different ranking. But in regards, I don't know that Green's starting the season with the team. I think the likelihood is growing by the day. But as of right now, you've just got to assume he's going to miss some time. Um, and for that reason, I would rather have Badu, who's currently going to be on the opening day roster and starting. Uh, Austin Hayes is going to finish out my rankings at 50. Yeah, and I don't have Vaughn in my top 50, but he just missed the cut. Um, there was a news report that 
he was uh, taking grounders at second base. Um, and that might be a potential spot for him to get into the lineup. So if he can get second base eligibility, that would be huge for him as I think he'd easily be a top 12 uh, second baseman uh, currently. But for right now, um, I think he's outside the top 50 outfield. Um, and the hard thing is, is once you get outside the top 35, 40, a lot can change in that almost, I'd say 40 to 60. It's very interchangeable. And there's a lot of guys um, that can fluctuate. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, at this point in the draft, I think you're looking at third, fourth, fifth outfielders. I, I'm drafting off upside, personally. Like I had kind of said, like I, I really have no interest in Sterling Marte. You know, I have absolutely no interest in, in really kind of 40 to 50 outside of that upside, right? Like this is a concerning area to be in if you're still drafting and you need a guy. I think you're almost better drafting an Austin Hayes or a Riley Green just to, to have the upside. You know what you're going to get from Badu. I think at 48, I would way rather have Badu. Um, but it, it's hard. I'm, I'm trying to make my rankings from 40 to 50 based on, like, what do I know I'm getting? What do I not necessarily know I'm getting, right? And that's why Green fell a little bit. That's why Hayes fell. And that's why Duvall finds himself at 46 because at least over the past five years, we know who Duvall is. Plug him, play him. You know, you've got your power on a good team. Vaughn, you said, has the upside of possibly second base. And what a poor guy. This guy is left field, right field. I think they played him a game in center. Um, he's a first baseman, right? He is literally waiting for Jose Abreu to retire. And until that happens, I just don't think we're going to have him be comfortable for a full season because they're moving him all over the place. Yeah, absolutely. From an overall standpoint, when you're looking at outfielders, is there a certain rule or thing that you like to go by? Like for me... I like to have three out of my top 30 outfielders. Now, it doesn't have to be all in the top 10. It could be um, one in each. I kind of like to have one stud outfielder, one that's kind of in that 15 to 20 range, and one close to that 25 to, to 30 range where I kind of feel comfortable, where I don't overload my outfield, but I don't undervalue it. I kind of have a balanced approach for outfield, and that's kind of what I like. As we've seen over the years, outfield is very deep and you can find guys off the waiver wire but that's generally what i like to do because you never know with injuries they're in the outfield they're running around they're going into walls they're tearing acls you never know what's going to happen what is your overall approach when it comes to outfield yeah i think you said it i want i don't want three top 15 i want two top 15 20 um you know in our dynasty league i'm rostering alvarez and judge judge has a concern right my third, though, whether this is in our Dynasty League and my other Dynasty League or even in a points league, I still want two of those top 15. So Eloy Jimenez comes in at 15. I'll even say, I will say 15 because Suzuki is 16 for me, right? Um, and then that third outfield spot, I want immense high upside because it may be a guy I draft or I dropped two weeks in, right? Teoscar Hernandez, I think this was two and a half years ago I picked up. I traded him away, but look what he's become. He's just sitting on the waiver wire. Had been in the major leagues for three years at that point, right? Every season we see a guy like that. But I'll even draw this back to Nick Castellanos last year. Nick Castellanos was a guy that I was able to grab eight, eight for $18 in a different dynasty league, and I was stoked because I had Luis Robert and I had Juan Soto. I'm pairing Nick Castellanos, who I am banking on having a career season, which he did, at a very valuable rate, and there we go, right? I'm able to save some money. I'd say this season... Um, you know, kind of looking at some of the names, Ozuna for Atlanta, I think is an opportunity to cash in Schwarber playing in Philly. I think Renfro in Milwaukee, I mean, these guys aren't going to perform like Castellanos with the average, but they do have some upside. 
I think Kirloff in Minnesota has that upside. We talked about J-Rod for Seattle, Joe Adele, um, you know, Michael Conforto, depending on where he signs, if he signs. And then probably the last name that really kicks for me, Badu and Green in Detroit. I, I think all of those guys is my final outfielder I'd be happy about. And I'd also be willing to, you know, switch and play, pick up a guy off the waiver wire, put him in. Um, but I'm looking for high end upside out of my third spot. Yeah. And even with dynasty or even just redraft leagues, I like to at least grab that stud, um, outfielder that's got that high upside that's still in the minors. So that Riley green, that Julio Rodriguez, if you're in dynasty leagues, they're probably not available, but you got people like, uh, Alec Thomas who might make the, the diamond backs, uh, opening, um, lineup so that's a guy that you could probably grab should be um still available unless you're in a very deep dynasty league um trying to think of some others off the top of my head but those are the main ones that come to mind but there's some every year that come up and just come blazing and i think um you should be able to find some of those so i like what you said there the the high ceiling shoot for the shoot for the moon well if you will you got to be careful too about um not necessarily the high-end outfield prospects but the guys like the dylan carlson who kind of came out of nowhere right like carlson was who he was had the really really good double a triple a season had you know all the prospect pedigree coming into was it the 2020 season um and just flat out flamed out because he kind of as i talked about logan webb like he had a good season but he was who he was before that season so you got to be very careful with some of those guys i think the high-end outfielders almost always produce right Buxton took a while, um, and then you look at Jorge Polanco for the Pirates. That's just a flat miss. It is what it is, right? He, I think he was rated as a prospect more or less for his athletic ability than some of the numbers and the, the actual production he was getting. But Julio Rodriguez, he's going to be an absolute stud. Um, you know. But again, Joe Adele, we're waiting for him to have his Buxton season. Now, much younger than Buxton, but you just you got to be careful. And, and you and I in, in drafts, when we share teams, we do that, right? We dra- we grab the guy that's going to be up. And I think we got burned on Adele. Uh, we crushed it with Juan Soto. We killed it with uh, Ronald Acuna. But every once in a while, you miss. But it, it's definitely worth taking because you immediately get top 20 outfield value in round 17, 18. All right. That concludes our outfield and starting pitching rankings for the 2022 season. Um, I believe that is the end of all of our rankings uh, for this season. I think next time we'll try to take more of a dynasty approach um, going into next season. Um, But that's all we have for you guys tonight. Take care.